Welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow, my guest will be Dr. Freeman Rabowski, the influential educator and president emeritus of UMBC. He's written a timely book about leadership and culture in higher education. It's called The Resilient University, How Purpose and Inclusion Drive Student Success. Dr. Freeman Rabowski joins me tomorrow on Midday. Joining me now, the internationally acclaimed British cellist Natalie Klein, heard here playing the music of Rafe Von Williams. Natalie Klein is appearing in Columbia Saturday night as part of the Candlelight Concert Society series. She'll play in the Smith Theater at Howard Community College, and I spoke with her earlier this week. She joined me on Zoom from Berlin. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great pleasure to talk to you. So a solo cello recital, I mean, I guess you'll have a pianist with you as well. Um, how do you go about, you, you play with orchestras, sometimes you play by yourself, sometimes you collaborate with pianists and stuff. How do you go about choosing what you're going to play uh, in the various stops around the world that you make? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm blessed in that way that I really do have a lot of variety in, in the kind of music that I play. And well, for this specific concert, it was specified that I come with a pianist. So I'm very excited to be coming with King. Um, and together we're going to play r- repertoire from the, yeah, from the cello and piano. I was about to say piano and cello because sometimes piano actually almost takes as big a role as the, the cello in some of these sonatas. But um, we're playing duos. I mean, when I'm asked to play with orchestra, I'm always thrilled and I have a kind of repertoire of solo concertos. And I just last week um, played a new piece written for me, actually, in orchestra. So those kind of things are always very exciting to do. And yeah, I admit perhaps my first love is chamber music. So even slightly larger groups, a piano trio, um I don't play string quartets, but anything that involves string playing colleagues, I really adore. And I work with singers sometimes as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's were, pretty eclectic. Were my, you one of those were one of those little kids who was just drawn to the cello immediately? How did you how did you land on the cello as opposed to some other instrument or or no instrument at all? <laughs> I come from a musical family, so it was always the question not will I play an instrument, but which instrument will I play and I was playing the violin when I was a little kid and I think my father very wisely saw some friction starting to take place between me and my violinist mother and so he came home actually with a little cello tiny little cello actually like the one I'm looking at right now because my son plays the cello so I don't know if history will repeat itself but we'll see um yeah and I immediately loved the cello I think I loved the, the the sonority and in fact, it was something different. No one played the cello in my family. So, yeah, and it was, I guess it was a love that really grew the longer I worked at it. So by about the age of 10 or 12, I was I was hooked. And what's the, what's the biggest challenge playing the cello? I mean, for a person who doesn't play uh, a stringed instrument or doesn't play any instrument, um, for, mm-hmm. for young cellists, for people starting out, what's the, the big barrier they have to 
overcome in order to be able to, you know, make it sound as beautiful as you make it sound instead of, you know, a scratchy mess. <laughs> I don't think that cello sounds as much of a scratchy mess as violin at the beginning, actually. So I think, you know, we're, we're kind of on the winning side there in the early days. Um, I mean, there's just no getting around the fact that you need some good old-fashioned discipline uh, to sit down really every day with the instrument, even just a little bit at the beginning of your cello life, whether you're four or 40 or 104. And this practice, you know, you're kind of building new pathways in your in your brain you really are building synapses and there's no shortcut to this and i think there's so many shortcuts that we can take in life now and so many ways to be distracted and and um it's kind of real old-fashioned work that one needs to do in a way although i also think that it has to be together with a great dose of joy when you when you're learning an instrument so better to really enjoy a good bow hold on open strings and just enjoy the sonority of the instrument rather than plunge into something too difficult too soon. But yeah, I guess that's the first thing to be prepared that it's kind of small incremental steps of improvement at the beginning. And then I think it's also important to not be too alone, to have a teacher that you love and to have fun with the instrument. The sooner you can get out and play with other people, the better, you know, small little orchestras or groups or really anything that that takes your fancy because at that point music becomes a communal thing which um, I think is also part of the love of, sure. of it one yeah. of the great the great uh, joys of music making is making it with other people and of course um, you've recorded yeah. both music for uh, chamber music uh, orchestral music as well as solo uh, cello music I want to listen to a little bit uh, of one of the suites for cello by Ernest Bloch which you recorded this is the fourth movement of the first Sweet. music and uh, sustaining the different lines, the different levels of those melodies and harmonies all by yourself um, is a particular trick, it seems to me. I mean, you don't have a pianist who's filling in the notes uh, of the harmonies. You don't have an orchestra uh, rounding things out. You've got to do it all yourself. There's a particular particular challenge, I think, to playing music for the solo cello, and you're going to be playing a bunch of it on Saturday night. (laughs) I am. I'm playing, well, the composer that inspired not only Bloch, but most of the composers that wrote for solo cello, so the Bach suites, and actually I'm playing maybe even the most famous one, the the number one, right at the beginning in G major, just before playing big Rachmaninoff sonata in G minor. And um, yeah, I, I try to sing in my mind when I'm playing, especially Bach or also Bloch. Um, so I've got kind of harmonies going through my mind, and I hope that somehow they come out. By the way, I might take a bit of extra time on a bass note or something like that. I'm hoping that that my understanding or my belief in what the composer wanted harmonically is coming across like that. Um, so I'm kind of having a conversation with the different lines. It's 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 maybe not as lonely as it sounds. There can be multiple voices going on in these solo cello lines, actually. I guess it's 
towards what a pianist feels like most of the time. Yeah, right, with two hands, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, right. sometimes four voices, though, which I find miraculous. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, let's listen. You mentioned um, a, a piece that uh, was commissioned, uh, written for you, um, that you just played last week. Um, there's a piece by on, on this uh, record of solo cello music by uh, Ligeti. This is the last one, the second part of, of the sonata for solo cello. This is the Capriccio of Grigory Ligeti. just seems hard as can be to me when I listen to that. It just seems like, how do you You're do right. that? How do you get, yeah, right. <laughs> Easy for me to say, but hard for you to play. <laughs> how, do, how do you approach learning a piece like that? Um, You know, slowly does it. I guess I start slowly and you kind of have to understand the spirit of the piece he wrote that he wrote this sonata in, in two chunks so the first slow bit which we haven't heard today um was written for a woman who played the cello who he was in love with and he wrote this piece i think in the hope that she'd play it and then they they'd fall in love and live happily ever after but she never played it very sadly and it was the end of it was a definitely an unrequited love on his side so i don't know if this capriccio is a kind of statement some kind of comment to what what didn't work out in the first movement for him and here we are talking but, um, about that on <laughs> valentine's day that's really quite oh, no, it's quite poignant <laughs> There we go. The Valentine that didn't land. Yeah. This is really the one. <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely not saccharine sweet, that's for sure. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, but, but a piece like the Bach cello suites, I mean, there's there are a thousand recordings of it. You could listen to other people, how they've approached it. Um, a piece yeah. like this, it's not, uh, not so much the case. You mean you've really got... Uh, you're sort of flying, flying alone here, at least in the early stages, I would imagine. Yeah, but I quite like that, to be honest. I think that we can, you know, we've got this culture of, of cellist after cellist recording things, you know, kind of great example, not just Bach, but even something for me like Elgar Concerto coming from, from the UK. That's kind of, we've got all these iconic recordings. And actually, it can get the the weight can become too much and if you try to be someone else you don't end up really making a very successful job of being yourself do you for an, in anything in life yeah and um, yeah so i i love just trying to react directly to the score and after i've learned something then i might i mean unless it's something really difficult to to understand and if there is some kind of recording it can help me in the learning process but i try not to get too influenced by by an interpretation either that I love or that I don't like so much because, you know, these animals of, of these pieces really have to, I think, live in each performer in, in their own way. And we all have a different take on the same thing, just like, a you know, an actor reading some lines, some interesting lines in a play. Each each person will bring their own experience to it, won't they? And every, every time should be a little different. Yeah, and you mentioned you're uh, collaborating with uh, pianist Ching uh, Yang, who's going to be playing with you. Yeah. And you'll play music of Schubert, a sonata, uh, music yeah. of Rachmaninoff. I, I assume this is music you've been playing for some time, because that's another uh, dimension of being 
uh, a professional musician when you're returning to a piece that you've known for a long time, but you want to you want to keep it fresh, you want to keep it new, you want to keep it uh, you know spontaneous. Um, how do you how do you approach that challenge of performing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it kind of happens by itself with good music. And it goes back a little bit to what I was saying before. I think as one goes through life and you get different ideas and different experiences shape who you are today, um, I find for myself that I'm looking at phrases in a new way and I suddenly have kind of a light bulb moment. Oh, of course, that's what he or she meant. And I've never understood that before until now or it's like that. And then, of course, if you try and recreate that light bulb moment too often, it becomes stale. And so you have to, to sort of, without pushing it too much, almost through the corner of your eye, try and understand something different like the structure or perhaps something in the biographical detail of the piece. And there's, I think there are endless layers of understanding to good music. And that's, for me, one of the things that makes it really kind of continuously intellectually stimulating and satisfying. Sure. I mean, and it's a great yeah. moment when you do have a, a new revelation about an old friend, you know, someone you've, exactly. something you've played for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, the 15th, the 30th, the 50th time you've played it. Gosh, I never noticed that before. That's, that's really exactly. fun. Yeah, great. Exactly. It happens all the time, doesn't it, in books and, and anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm sure your concert is going to be delightful. Natalie Klein, her concert on the Candlelight Concert Society of Maryland series is Saturday night at 7.30 in the Smith Theater. That's in the Horowitz Center at Howard Community College in Columbia. There's music of Bloch and Schubert and Bach and Rachmaninoff and Lutyens, uh, and it'll be a fun time. So uh, break a leg, safe travels, and uh, thanks so Thank much you. for your time today. <laughs> Big pleasure. Bye for now. And up next, Jay Wynn Russick joins me to share her thoughts about a new production of Jane Eyre at the Classic Theater of Maryland in Annapolis. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. We go out with Natalie Klein playing music of Frank Bridge. <laughs> ¶¶ 